25. I'll ver- read verse 23. Join me on 24. And we'll read, I'll read verse 25. The Bible says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Tonight I want to look at the view of the church by the church. You know, the world has a view of what the church is. But the church has a view of what the church is. The church, the people, have an idea, a thought about what the church is, about the importance of the church. All of it is a perspective. And that perspective can be a good perspective based on biblical principle. And it can also be a carnal perspective, just based on what I get out of it. And with that, that perspective will determine what happens to us concerning and with the church. So this admonition right here at the beginning, he said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. And... He ties us holding fast to us not forsaking the assembling. And so we need a revival in the church. We need a revival in the church about how important the church is. The church is not a ho-hum place to come to. The church isn't just something to check off on your Wednesday evening schedule. Or your Sunday schedule. The church is that institution that God started and he placed such high value on it. The Bible says that he purchased it with his blood. He purchased us with his blood. But when he talked about the purchasing, he talked about the believer as being part of this institution, the assembly, the church. So he places high value on it. So tonight I want to take that, uh, the last phrase out of verse, verse number 25, and so much the more. So tonight I want to speak to you on the subject, so much the more. Uh, Father, I do pray that you'd help us this evening as we look at the word of God, as we open it, as we Uh, study it. I pray that you would help us to be encouraged, help us to be challenged. I pray that you would help us to be stirred, Uh, Lord, just to love uh, the church the way that you love the church. You, You gave yourself for it. And so I pray that you would help us to uh, just uh, kick away maybe some cobwebs that have started to grow in the corners in our our minds, the recesses of our minds concerning church. I pray that you would help us to just have a, a, a passionate love 
uh, for the assembly of the believers and uh, for what you are doing. And so uh, I pray that you just work in, in this church, work in our body of believers, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. You can be seated. So much the more. I'm concerned for the church in these days, and not just our church, and spe- uh, uh, but all churches, especially just the churches in America, I am concerned for them. I'm concerned because there is an aging uh, population of leadership. Uh, I am concerned that we are not uh, training those ne- the next generation, and the uh, the millennials uh, are already completely in, and Gen Z is, are already adults at this point. Uh, we are we are seeing so many opportunities. Uh, and it is not a it's not a negative time. It is an opportunity to realize the importance of us doing what we need to do, uh, really making sure that that we don't drop the baton, we don't drop the ball in handing it off. I was I was listening to the Warriors coach uh, uh, in an interview last night or early this morning, and he said that uh, they have to do better at protecting the ball. Uh, he, here we're talking about professionals. He said, we had so many turnovers. We did not protect the ball. And he said, they lost the game. It was basically saying, we lost the game because of fundamentals. It was just the fundamentals. We're losing some of our churches, and you know why we're losing our churches? Because of the fundamentals. The Great Commission, go, win, baptize, teach. Go, teach, baptize, teach. What is it? There is discipleship. There is not just the going, winning people to Christ, getting them baptized. There has to be that process of teaching, that discipleship, that growing you know what the you know what the Christian school is? It is the greatest form of discipleship that we have for our kids. You know why? Because for 35 hours a week they are under the tutelage of godly people who are trying to invest in them. Coming alongside mom and dad and coming alongside the church. It is, it is, an, it is a vital time. We've got, to, we've got to reach this next generation. Churches are filled with older people. Now, I'm thankful we go over to the educational building. There is going to be noise. A whole lot of it. But you, you know why? Because there's new life over there. But we've got to reach them. We can't just have them. We've got to reach them. We've got to teach them. And with that, we've got to, we've got to be growing in our, in our walk with the Lord. So, so much the more. He said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. 
You know, there is no way to compete with a memory. Have you ever thought about things in the past and how good they were? You ever think about that? Nothing ever lives up to a memory. In the 50 years of Bible Baptist Church, there are some phenomenal memories. And if we only want to live on the memory, there will not be a future. But even though there, was, there are wonderful things in the past and blessings of the past and uh, big days and exciting events, people getting saved and lives being transformed and church growth, uh, there were also some bad days. There were also some seasons where everything seemed like it was dead. And nothing seemed to grow. You know, in the winter, in the fall, you see everything die. And in the winter, nothing seems to be growing. You know, in life, we have seasons, don't we? But churches have seasons as well. But with that, there's spring. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Did you, did you walk in and see something right, hanging right outside the front of the church, those flowers? Beautiful. Doesn't that just put a smile on your face? You, just, you walk in, you see that life, the beauty of it, and it, it just puts a smile on your face. You know, in, in life, in, in church life, everything isn't always good. Everything isn't always pretty. Everything isn't always exciting. But everything is always important. Because without those dormant seasons, you don't have that new life. Without that that winter, without that dormancy, uh, the nutrients aren't built up. The strength is not there. Uh, they are preparing for that, that new life. Uh, and same thing in church. Uh, we'll have, there are years of growth, growth uh, it, over these 50 years, and there were years of splits. There were ups, there were downs. Uh, but with that, uh, what we, we know is even in the ups and the downs, we are to be faithful to church we're to be faithful uh we are to assemble uh at church we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves well so-and-so's not here the command wasn't about so-and-so the command is about us i can't do anything about somebody else but i can be do something about me and mine amen and with that, we, we need to recognize the importance there. So the, ex, the exhorting one another, he said, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching here. So here in verse 23, uh, we see, first of all, he said, let us hold fast. So number one, what are we to do? We are to, number one, hold fast. There are going to be some ups. There are going to be some downs. There are going to be some hurts. Uh, hold fast. Hold fast. Don't quit. Don't quit. Nothing should move you 
from the church. Nothing should move you. Uh, I mean, if, if I got up and preached heresy, there are enough believers that would send me packing. And that's how it ought to be. But people don't leave because of heresy. People leave because they got their feelings hurt. People leave because they don't want this telling them what to do. Because it's not the preacher. It's what the book say. And here, when we look at it, God says that we are to hold fast. And what is he? He's in reference, in context. He is, he is taking it right to the church. He said, hold fast, the profession of our faith, our belief system. Uh, and we are to do so, the Bible says, without wavering. Uh, he said, uh, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. That means that we are not going to, uh, to be vacillated. We are not going to move uh, with the wind uh, or with the, uh, the uh, uh, pressure of the day. Uh, and why, why should, should we not waver? Because he's faithful. Not because somebody else is faithful. He's faithful. The tragedy when when leadership makes bad decisions and the churches, churches are hurt there, what, what the worst part is is that in, in, their, in the believer's life, they put too much confidence in the man. And you should have confidence in your pastor, but I'm not perfect. You know, we should be here not because of me. We should be here because of who he is. And he is faithful. And if he is faithful, then I should be faithful. I shouldn't base my faithfulness on some, somebody else, maybe in leadership or somebody else that I look up to. I should be basing my faithfulness on who he is. Uh, because he is faithful, I need to be faithful. Uh, we need to hold fast the profession. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, the Bible says, "...in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God." In Christ Jesus concerning you, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. You know, there are several times in the New Testament that that little phrase, hold fast, is used. And with that, we are to hold fast the profession of our faith. We are to hold fast that which is good. You know, I, re I, have, I have received so much good at church. All of the teachings that have guided the principles of my life, I've learned them either through the pulpit, the teaching, the preaching, the Sunday school. Uh, I, I learned it in uh, studying my Bible. But without the church, I would not have learned any of it. Why? Because the church is the pillar and ground 
of the truth. Uh, without the church, there would not have been a place of proclamation. There would not have been a place where it was preached. It wouldn't have been a place where uh, uh, there was that body of believers to come alongside and encourage and strengthen and edify. Uh, so so it's, it is so important. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, how long am I supposed to hold fast till our Lord Jesus Christ comes back? That's how long. And we're either going to go by the undertaker or we're going to go by the upper taker, but until that time, we are to hold fast. We're to hold fast. If somebody disappoints you, hold fast. If somebody uh, hurts you, hold fast. Uh, somebody is there to help you, praise the Lord, hold fast. But we need to make sure that we recognize that we are to hold fast. And as a body of believers, if we don't hold fast, the whole body hurts. If the body does not hold together, People go a different direction. People fall away. The church is hurt. And, and we see that. Uh, I, I praise the Lord for uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, merger, uh, First Baptist and Grace Baptist, and their Legacy Baptist Church over there in uh, Yuba City now. I praise the Lord for that. Uh, there's, there was a church that uh, was 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 not doing well. And Pastor Callahan uh, was able to go over. They merged those churches. And uh, that, that, those, that now there is not two churches there. Uh, there is one, but it's a lot stronger. And praise the Lord for that. Uh, but churches are falling. Churches are, are, are dropping off. And uh, we've got to realize that we need to be faithful. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus the son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Because we have a high priest. Because he is faithful. We need to hold fast. Revelation 2, 24 and 25, but I say unto you, and the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. So here when you have the Lord uh, speaking to these seven churches in Asia Minor, uh, the church at Sardis and the church in, in uh, Thyatira, both were told to hold fast. They were told to hold fast. Uh, so we need to hold fast. Uh, so he said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. So let us collectively, corporately hold fast our faith. So number one, hold fast. Number two, Forsake not, forsake not, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The word forsake, this Greek word here is only used three times in the Bible. And I've, I have referenced that this is not just a leaving this is, this is something a lot bigger than that. 
So we're going to, in looking at these three times, one of them is referring to the believer and the assembly of the church. The other two revolve around the crucifixion. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. I want you to see this because putting these together puts a different picture on missing church. Matthew 27, look at verse 46. The Bible says, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud, uh, loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou, what? Forsaken me. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The other is a parallel passage. Go to Mark 15 and verse 34. Mark 15, 34. We have Mark's account of, of the crucifixion here and his record. Mark 15, 34. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is in, being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou, what? Forsaken me. And the only other time the word forsake is used in Hebrews 10.25. So here, when the Lord chose to say, forsaken me, why hast thou forsaken me? What was he referencing? He was referencing that at the crucifixion, uh, about three o'clock in the day, uh, midday, the sky turned black. A complete eclipse in the middle of the day. And a, our holy God turned his back on his son. Matthew 26, 39, the Bible says, And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And what do we have? We have at the crucifixion, not only did Jesus bear in his body the marks and uh, was he beaten for us, abused for us, he also became sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What was it? Jesus became sin. And when Jesus became sin, God poured his wrath out on his son. Jesus experienced being forsaken. You know, when... The disciples in John 6, 
when the disciples were offended and went away, Jesus was talking about the crucifixion. He was talking about uh, the crucifixion, but he was talking about uh, the Lord's Supper, except ye eat this, my body, and drink my blood. And the disciples, they said, this is a hard saying, and they went away. It says, from that time, many of the disciples walked no more with him. And Jesus looked at the 12 and he said, will ye also go away? And in John 6, 66, we find, uh, we, after that, we find Peter's response, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. But you know, when, when the disciples were walking away, he didn't ask them if they forsook him. He didn't say, why are you forsaking me? But he did say that about the church. Does that not put a high value on the believers assembling? You sh- you're here tonight. Praise the Lord. But the reality is, there shouldn't be a time that we're not here. I got saved, and my preacher said, if the door squeak, you walk through it. He said, well, the Bible doesn't say that we have to do that, Pastor. The Bible says that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on. But exhorting one another, and so much the more. So much the more. But so much the more when? When you see the day approaching. So much the more. You know, there shouldn't be less church, there should be more church. Why? Because we need it. We need it. Why? The day is approaching. What day? I'm almost done. What day? You can smile. It's okay. You're here. So what day is he talking about? He is talking about the day of the Lord. When the day of the Lord is used, it is referencing the second coming of Christ. Not the rapture. That is not considered the day of the Lord. The rapture, the calling away of the saints, uh, that is going to happen. That is the next thing on the prophetical clock. But when the Lord comes back, there's judgment. The day of the Lord is referring to his coming and his judgment that is going to be upon this earth. Why? Because of the wickedness, because of the vileness. And let me tell you, uh, all we have to do is look around and we see the wickedness. It is getting more wicked all the time. Unbelievable. All of the things that are happening in our world around us. Uh, and so the day of the Lord, it's representing the, uh, the second coming uh, and it will bring judgment. Second uh, Peter chapter 3 verse 9 The Lord said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, 
but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And let me tell you, the day of the Lord is coming. It's coming. We are nearer that day than at any other time in history. Just think about what the Lord has said about that. Uh, he said in uh, 2 Timothy 3, I was going to read verses 10 through chapter 4. We don't have time tonight, but look at verse number uh, 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Uh, what do we find? That evil, it is waxing worse and worse. The, the seducers, they are waxing worse and worse. And you know who they're seducing? They're going after our kids. That's who they're going after on every front. With that, we see that the Lord continued down in uh, read a few more verses in chapter 4, uh, Timothy. Uh, let's see, verse 4 of 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 1. Chapter 4, verse 1, he said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Why was Paul telling Timothy uh, to uh, stand uh, firm? Why? Because it was waxing worse and worse. It was already waxing worse in Paul's day. And now we are... 2,000 years past, and it is still waxing worse and worse. And the Lord said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. I don't want to be in that parenthesis. I don't want to be in that catchphrase there, as the manner of some is. He said, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so much the more. Faithfulness to God's house is needed more now than ever. We are, we are being inundated by things that are trying to get our attention away from the things of God. I mean, all of the advertising... All of the marketing, all of all of the uh, the allurements. There, there are so many things that are trying to get our attention. And as I was praying for those in Sudan, my mind just went to how blessed we are. Telling the Lord, we are so spoiled. I am so spoiled. Here the other people around the world in so many different places in the world. Think about the believers in China. Every time they assemble, they chance being arrested. Think about that. The believers in North Korea, 
The believers in these Muslim countries. I mean, we just had, had a brother this last Thanksgiving that was assassinated right in front of his family. And here we are, we have so many enjoyments and entertainments. We're blessed. And I told the Lord, thank you for what he has given to us, but I told him I felt guilty. I feel guilty enjoying so much while others are suffering. And I'm not saying I want suffering. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm, not, I'm not looking to be in Fox's Book of Martyrs. But at the same time, we've got to realize that we have been given so much, there is a reason. To whom much is given, of whom shall much be required. We're not experiencing all of these persecutions, so what should we be doing? We should be doing more. You know, the kids in Sudan, they walk outside their door and they're seeing dead bodies and fleeing for their life. And we don't even want our kids to grow up. Oh, they can serve the Lord when they get out of the house. We, we don't want to put that pressure on them of serving the Lord. Do you see some, there's some fallacies in how we are looking at the reality of this world. And it is waxing worse and worse. And we aren't far from a revolution. Washington State today signed a bill banning assault rifles. Or it was a, the bill passed and the governor is supposed to sign it. They said everything dealing with firearms is going off the shelves. You know why? Because people are going to protect themselves. Who are they going to protect themselves against? That's what's going on over in Sudan. And these revolutions, when an economy crashes, when a world comes to a breaking point, a country, a nation, We don't say, Pastor, are you saying that this is all God? No, I'm just saying we can look around the world and see what's happening in other places. America is not exempt. And we've got a president in the White House that is doing his dead level best to destroy our country. We, we have got to realize that we've got to be where we need to be, doing what we need to do, the value of the church, the assembly of the church, the exhorting of one another, keeping each other 
being accountable, encouraging and accountability. It's, it's important. We, we have got to realize that what the Lord says about us missing, he didn't just say we missed. If it was a casual word or a casual view, he would have not used such a powerful term. And think, that word was only used twice. Two times it was used in the exact same situation, both of them referring to the exact same event. So once for the crucifixion, once for the church. Forsaking. Let's not forsake. So much the more. You know what we need to do? When we raise our value of church, we're going to encourage other people to be faithful in church. If we don't think it really matters, oh, go ahead, miss. It's just a Sunday. It's just a Wednesday. It's just another week. If that's what we think, then eventually it'll get to us. So much the more. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these that are here. And uh, Lord, it was a, a serious message. But Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, to just reconfirm in our own minds and hearts the, the importance of church and attendance and being here and, and exhorting one another. It's not just about us showing up and walking through some doors, uh, but Lord, about the relationships that are here, about the, uh, the accountability that's here, about the uh, encouragement uh, and the, the work of the Lord that goes on. I pray that you would help us to value this uh, the way you would have us value it and put a hedge of protection around the church. And Lord, uh, all around us, we're seeing uh, churches uh, just uh, come to a place where uh, they're closing down. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, help us to see a revival uh, within the churches and revive our spirit. Help us, please, concerning church. Heads bowed, eyes closed.